My name's Chin Wei, and this is my Q list. Q list, brought to you by Same Same But Black, a collection of queer conversations released during Auckland Pride 2022, supported by the Sparks Empowerment Fund. I'm your host, Michelle, from Same Same But Black. So, welcome to a conversation with. Jinwei, do you want to do a introduction uh, for yourself, talking to why you chose your Q list? Sure. So um, I'm Chinwei. I've been living in New Zealand for close to nine years, um, but I was born and bred in London and England, and I whakapapa back to uh, Nigeria, specifically um, the Igbo tribe. And I'm part of the queer community. I identify, my pronouns are she, her, and I identify as pan. And I have been somewhat involved in the uh, queer community in Wellington, particularly the, the BIPOC community, um, held a march for BLM Trans Lives. And uh, last year I did a play um produced a play all about the um uh showcasing the the work and the like the trailblazers from the queer people of color um from all all over the world such as gary Wu, carmen rupe Sorme de la verrier and a couple of others as well how difficult was it for you to make the choices for what you put in your cue list really difficult really really difficult because as as you grow and depending on what's going on in the world as well and what's going on in your life um the the music the arts that inspires you and keeps you sane and safe changes um but, most most or some of the time um so it was a bit difficult to narrow it down to particular um pieces or people um but as i i gave it some more thought and dug into it more i realized there are some there's foundational people and pieces that keep me grounded um so i guess it was it was hard to begin with but then it got a bit easier particularly when i got into it starting with your songs I noticed that you chose Magnificent Lady Lauren Hill and the entire album of Miss Education. So let's talk to us and maybe choose one song from that album that you stand out repeater. Uh, <laughs> probably Tell Him. I think Tell Him is uh, a standout for me. It's the kind of song that when it's playing, I go into a bit of a trance. Um, sometimes if I'm, on, if I'm driving, I'm listening to it, I might have to pull over and just close my eyes um because it's not just it's obviously the words but lauren's lauren hill has has an impeccable voice and the i've never known a voice like that that's able to showcase the emotions or her emotions and what she's feeling so clearly like you feel it from the moment she starts the moment the song ends you feel it um it just it just gets right into you uh, yeah I mean, there have been other songs I've heard, like one she's done live where she actually starts to cry during the song, which just tells you the kind of artist she is. But tell him, um, it just, she speaks the words that you want to speak, uh, but she sings the words you want to speak and you don't have to because she does it for you. And so because you feel what she's saying, I feel what, what, she, what she's singing, I have to, I go into a trance and it's like, 
it's like I'm having a conversation with her. Well, I'm just listening to her. She's talking to me. I'm listening to her. She's singing to me. I'm listening to her. Um, oh, it's just, yeah, and it's just so melodic. So melodic. Yeah. That, that's, that's probably that's probably the, the song. That's hard. That's a really hard one. <laughs> that's so hard. Um, but, yeah, I think Tell Him. That's your boom moment. So, um... And my favourite indie rock song was Biffy Cairo. So tell us about that song, why it became your favourite. Um, so Biffy Cairo, Questions and Answers. I can't remember the name of the album. I think it was Black and Sky. I think it was the first album. Um, so when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, um, and I think I don't think I'd be remiss in saying that there are a lot of young black um, teenagers um, who would have grown up in, grew up in 90s Britain where black was not the thing to be at all um and we're, we're trying to find themselves in we're trying to find we're trying to be white or trying to identify or assign themselves to things that are respectable and those things that are respectable are the things that are white and the things that are predominantly seen as white ignorantly were rock music even though the history of rock is not white it's black Anyway, so when I was growing up, I went through a phase where I um, wanted to distance myself from my culture, from my blackness, from my Nigerian heritage, from all of that. I was listening to like heavy rock music, um, where like learning how to skate, wearing baggy clothes and like big baggy jeans and chains and all that stuff. Um, and then. And at first I was doing it because I just wanted to fit in with white culture and just to, and to be um, accepted. And then, and then I don't know how I discovered Biffy Clyro, I really don't know. But I was, I was into this kind of indie rock scene all, all, my, all my teenage years, into my early 20s. Um, and I think when I was 18, no, when I was 17, I was in sixth form college. I was still, I was still into this indie, this rock music, but then um, somehow, I don't even know how, I think I, through the friend circle I had, which was in London, in South London, the, the schools are diverse, no matter what. So I found a lot of other black people who were also into indie or rock music and opened my eyes. Um, and I had white friends too, who opened, who, um, opened me up to other types of music. And somehow in that space, I found Biffy Clyro. And at this time I was, Actually, I was kind of like, because I had more black influences in my life through um, through college, we sit from college, as opposed to when I was in like high school where it's a bit of a mess. Um, I was I was discovering um, more black artists, some of whom, black artists who uh, did, who played rock music. <laughs> Biffy Clara was not one of them. I, I just, through my friends, I discovered this band, Biffy Clara, and I was like, oh my God, this is actually really good. Like, I wasn't into it because I wanted to be respected or accepted by white people or white culture. I was like, damn, this is actually a really good band. And none of my friends really listened to it. I don't know, I still don't know how, I think I heard them on like a radio, yeah, a rock radio station. And I was like, and it was one of those songs, that, and I was like, damn, that's actually a really good band. And then I, I was hooked. I saw this, they became the band, the only band I listened to. I saw them six times. Um, I had every album, I knew every song. When I, everyone was having a bad day, um, particularly at home, at home where it was, it was tumultuous, I would listen to um, Biffy Clyro and it would calm me down. The way Lauren Hill calms me down now is what Biffy Clyro did for me back when I was a teenager. 
and it was when I just I just it became it just became music that I just, I liked just because it was good music and I, I could hear like rhythm and rhythms and like unexpected melodies like I didn't hear in other types of rock music that all very like one note consistent with this band like every song would take you down it would start one way and a different way the chorus there was no chorus <laughs> well maybe there's a chorus but but yeah it was always like just different and then questions and answers was just yeah it was it was the same it would start like really melodic and then just and just have this like heavy heavy-ish kind of like mid mid section mid, mid section middle section and then just very often to this different path and i just i just loved it it was it's there are many of the many biffy songs back in the early days that i loved but that one was great and, and they're still around now oh yeah they're three piece from scotland as well and two of them are brothers and the other one is a friend and i quite like the fact that they were these twin brothers and this friend and they just had this band and they were they were not well known at all and then and they had this this, this crazy music that I was into. So moving along to your third choice on the Q list for stop music, um, Stormzy. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just explain to us why you've chosen Stormzy's Cigarettes and Crush. Oh, Cigarettes and Crush. And actually, so I discovered Stormzy, I, obviously, while I've been in New Zealand, because he's only really popped up, well, even that, I don't know how long he's been around, but I discovered him while I was in New Zealand. And I can't remember how I discovered him, but I remember when I heard the first song which wasn't cigarettes and curse when i heard one of his songs I was like oh my gosh this takes me back i feel like i was at home again like i understood what he was saying cigarettes and kush um was one of the first songs i heard from him that was quite melodic um it was more like it was more like a like singing as opposed to like your the usual grime um and he was actually singing on it it was all about like the things that make people feel good and cigarettes and kush and you know that always um, makes him makes him feel good with him and his significant other, and it was just it's really simple song, but it was just it was just beautiful. The way he sings, the way he like sings it, it's so soft, and <laughs> it's about like weed and cigarettes. But it could be about anything, and it just sounds great. It just it's just it's just a really like soulful song, which I was not expecting from Stormzy. On your cue list, you've got a selection of books also curious to know why you chose the books you did and mm. out of the ones you chose particularly purple hibiscus are they a pick up and read again oh good question um so i chose the ones i chose because they are actually the books they're all nigerian authors um prior to reading even um so prior to reading Chin chinua achebe's things fall apart i don't really know much about um the the use of religion to colonize nigeria um i didn't really know much about the history of nigeria i didn't really know much about nigeria other than what my parents told me which was um sanitized and um the the cup the three times i went to the village in nigeria when i was a when i was a teenager when you're a teenager you don't really think about the context of where you are what your people are going through you don't give a shit. and i was ignorant and stubborn and spoiled so i wasn't really I was I was ignorant of my own culture and history. And I can't remember who told me or who gave me Chinua Chamber. I really cannot remember. I, I'm so grateful that they did though. Um, because when I read that book, that changed everything. That's my foundational book. It changed everything. My the scales fell from my eyes and I saw 
the impacts of colonization through use uh, and using and using religions at all on my country and it, it's so well written Chinua was a amazing author god rest his soul an amazing author and it actually made me want to talk to my my parents about nigeria and i tried to have those conversations with um my parents about nigeria um particularly my dad but i think the trauma was it was too much those conversations didn't get go anywhere anyway through reading chinua chebe again i don't know how i discovered it but i just but china manda is the next author and that's like that's modern day chinua chebe even though he only we didn't pass it long ago but for me like she's not much older than me um and she's obviously she's born and bred in nigeria she um studied in i think the us um so she's also kind of diasporic in that sense as well she's also a bit of a migrant and so her um her ability to tell stories about what it's like be growing up in nigeria whether it's as a young woman or a young a young um a child or a young man um is is educational and it's entertaining and i think i put a lot of books down but i think the one yeah actually i don't know if i can choose i don't know if i can choose one or one of her books to be honest because they're, they're all they're and that's there's even another one americana that she did which was really good too but i think half of the yellow sun which is i think was turned to a movie i didn't watch it that was a really um that's the first one I read from of hers. Half of Yellow Sun, of all her books, is the one that really changed, really opened my eyes to what my parents would have gone through in the 60s and 70s in Nigeria. I didn't know. Um, and I, I didn't know what my dad had gone through, but I did the math and I realized he probably did leave around the 60s or the 70s. Um, and so when I read that book and I spoke to him about it, about the bike from war that's when i saw trauma i've never seen my dad like that before and he could not talk to me about it too much um but one of the things he told me was that he jumped out of a window to um escape um the rebel forces because um his colleague who was yoruba had told told them that he was there i didn't i, I didn't know any i didn't know anything i was completely ignorant to the bike from war i had no idea this is a civil war i had no idea i didn't i had never taken any interest in learn anything about my history um but it's only when i read chinua chebe and then i read that book i was like damn like i there's so much i don't know and i wish i didn't know but i'm glad i know now and it changed the way i saw myself my history my culture i was pissed as fuck at the brits because i don't care what anyone says like yeah there's there was civil war, but you, there's a reason why there was civil war. It wasn't just us just fighting over what have you. It was the colonization of Nigeria back in the 1800s during the scramble for Africa. That's when it happened. It, you know, like no one can tell me any different. Um, and everything that ha happens in like countries that were colonized, uh, that were colonized is a result of that colonization and the damage that the Brits did. And so I just felt really terrible. Those two books changed my understanding of Nigeria. Akala, Natives, which is the last book I read, and was so, it's not even mine, it's my friends. I've had it for like a year and a half, or two years. I had not read it until like last year, because um, I just wasn't sure I could handle it, because I knew it was about, um, written by a man who is very much like me, not that much older than me, black British, would be talking about things that I would have grown up with, but not known that, not understood the the pretext or context of. And I was like, I'm not sure if I'm ready for this. And then I then I read it. 
notes more scales 12 my eyes i took a lot of notes i have a book of notes i went and did more research um things that like you and i michelle would have will remember i had no idea of the context like the whole lincoln's uh linford lunchbox I don't know. I knew. I knew about everyone knew about Linford Christie and Frank Bruno, and the, but the differences in how they were seen by by media, by the people, by white people, by our own people. I, I had no idea the things I found out about like Haiti, about Cuba, about um, again more things about the scramble for Africa, about the difference between like Black Brits and, Amer and American um, Black Black Americans, and how Black Americans see Black Brits. Even things that Maya Angelou has said about about us black Brits, I was like, I really thought you were cool, and like the way they just like just downplayed everything we did as black Brits um, because we didn't have the same path um, to black identity as black Americans, you know, slavery and that kind of thing that's through when Russian migration and Commonwealth and all that stuff. I don't know all, all these things that I just I had never thought of. I didn't know. It really, really, it really opened my eyes. It changed so much for me again. And so I, I like to keep having those conversations with people. Like um, the, the way I talk about myself now, before I would just say, oh, yeah, I'm from, I'm, you know, from the UK and my parents are Nigerian. Now I talk about the fact that I was born and bred there, but I think I'm back to Nigeria, but specifically Igbo. I like to say Igbo because Nigeria is not a term that was given, that is our term. We were not a country, we were a bunch of different tribes pre-colonization, colonization came, um, and some white woman called, named us Nigeria. And why I'm not gonna call my country, my people Nigerian, because that's not what we gave ourselves. It wasn't determined by us. These are things I would never have known if I had not read <laughs> Akala, because his book made me want to do more research into um, colonization. And, and yeah, and it's only because of that that I even know these things. Yeah, these books really um, changed how I view myself. It gave me a whole new view on identity politics. Um, it, they made me more, way I'm way more braver in talking about racism and colonization um, than I ever was. And I can actually, I can talk about it with a bit more understanding and depth. We already know this, what they did to um, African people, what they do to black people already, what they do to people of color, what they did to um, countries like Haiti, what they still do to Haiti, for example. And so it's a bit of a complicated um, narrative, but I, I'm, I lean into it. Yeah, I freaking hate the UK and like I'm allowed to. I wouldn't have to go to the UK. My parents would have to leave the UK if it wasn't for the UK decimating my people. So yeah, I can hate. I can hate the people that gave me benefits but i call them reparations so uh moving on to film collection in the queue list films that influenced you disclosure so the reason for disclosure is so when i was watching it like all the a lot of the um uh interviewees were talking about movies that i had watched when i was growing up i had watched ace ventura for example i watched the whole collection my cousins had all the dvds and i remember i specifically remember that's um the movie where they accused a woman the woman a detective i can't remember of being a man and pulled her um her skirt and her underwear down i remember that scene i can i see i can see that scene and at the time i don't know how old i was i don't know i was a teenager i was a young teenager and i was like ha 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 that's funny ha 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 
watching Disclosure and they go through all these movies that we grew up with and you see the the blatant, unadulterated, unapologetic transphobia was like a massive slap in the face to me. I was like, shit, it was right there. And I didn't, I didn't, it didn't cross my mind that that was wrong. It didn't cross my mind that this was transphobic. I mean, I didn't know what, I didn't know anything about trans issues then. Um, but still, I didn't even think, oh, this is a bit weird. I was like, ah, laughing at my friends and my family. And it, yeah, it's quite reminiscent of bare similarities to the mocking of people of colour in movies and, you know, people laughing along and not seeing there's an issue because it doesn't affect them, you know, because, oh, well, you know, it's not not about me. It's, it's, just, it's just a joke lighting up, it's just a joke lighting up. It's very reminiscent of that because that's probably that, God forbid, I, I hope I wouldn't have been like that as a teenager, but I might have. You know, because I'm not trans. What do I know? I'm not going through this. This is not my life. I'm not living it. It's the privilege. It's the privilege and the entitlement and the ignorance that comes with privilege of being cis. Um, and it, it, that movie, like, made me rethink all the movies I've seen. Because I think every one of those movies I mentioned, or TV shows, I had seen. I had seen and I laughed along. And I was disgusted with myself for being that person being that person that would like chastise someone quite rightly for laughing at um like racist jokes but not see the same not see any similar issues with um queer phobia and transphobia i didn't i didn't get i didn't i didn't see i didn't see the issue i mean maybe because i was a, a stupid kid and i didn't grow up i didn't grow up, grow up around um influences that understood these kind of things what i do now but I like the fact that that movie was such an eye-opener for all of us who are in the queer community, particularly our cis people who probably didn't think about these movies when we were growing up. And there may be some people today that are like, just a joke, you know, product of its time, product of its time. And so that makes it okay. No, it's not okay. We need to recognize what we did, what we were, what we were buying into, what we were given our money to. We were given money to transphobic content. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, was, yeah, it just made me realize my privilege is being a cis person. It made me think about, um, yeah, yeah. It made me really think about my privilege as a cis person and made me more aware of what it would have been like being a trans person or, yeah, being a trans person or non-binary person or just umbrella uh, trans person growing up. When those movies are coming out and seeing people make fun of you. And these are blockbuster movies too. You can't get away from them. They're everywhere. You have to deal with that. And you know, these are the movies that I'm pretty sure they were shown over Christmas. Ace Ventura will naturally be shown over Christmas. I don't know Jim Carrey um, um, regrets making you know that movie. I'm sorry, that movie just stands out as the main one. But yeah, I don't know if they regret it. But just yeah, listen to um, people talk about it, like Laverne. Cox, Laverne Cox. It's Cox, okay, Laverne Cox, talking about, um, and I love Laverne Cox. She's so amazing. But just listen to The Hurt, um, if, uh, like some of the interviewees, including Laverne Cox, and the impact of those movies and those TV shows, just, yeah, made me recognise my privilege and that I have to use my voice because it's not fair. And I, yeah, it's not fair that trans people have to speak up on these issues all the time. And I'm really grateful that they able to work through the trauma to present this to be part of this but jesus they shouldn't have to so yeah that that movie had a massive impact on me um and paris is burning yeah um i'm not gonna who made it you know is a is a problem 
the people behind the scenes that capitalized and gained and profited from this movie the white cisness um is a is a problem and it's very problematic it really really is and i'm not going to say it's not because it is the reason why paris is burning is um in is one of the movies that um impacted me is because it was still an eye-opener into BIPOC queerness which I had not seen before and I think I watched it at the start of my queer journey so I didn't I didn't really know much about um the impacts of uh people of color in queer culture um and the like the safe space that balls created for people of color particularly trans people just to be whoever the hell they wanted to be it was their space um it was just a really big it was a big eye-opener but also just the hardships that that come with being trans um yeah just ha- the, the 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 constant threat of homelessness the poverty the violence um the you know not knowing where you're gonna sleep that night but, but also the, the familial sense, the family that's created. Um, when you find people that understand you, that love you, that want, that just love you for who you are. Um, I love, I just love like the, the, the unapologetic, um, um, her name is Pepper LaBeja. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the shit and that's it. You know, I just, I love, I love that. That just, the, the joy that that gives me that brought me just seeing that and then like seeing all the like all the cheering all the like <laughs> all the happiness when um they're like they're walking and just like all the all the accolades that are so rightfully deserved in you know outside in in the cis world you're you're stared down you're like looked you know in a in a scornful way and demonized in the ball scene you are revered you're celebrated you're loved like i love i that juxtaposition is sad and beautiful and i just love the fact that they love themselves that it was shown how queer people come together and love each other and love themselves and when i say queer people i'm talking about trans i'm talking about queer people of color i'm not talking about like um white cis people the queer community i'm not talking about them I'm just not, and I don't, and that, I don't think that movie's really talking about them either. Well, not movie, documentary maybe. Um, so yeah, it was just a good, it was a really big eye opener. And so when I, when I see balls now, and I I don't know much about balls anyway, but that was a really good understanding for me what balls are, what they should be. And so I'm always, I always, I always wonder, you know, what would people like Pepper Beige think of the balls? in current day and you know it was just a really big art it's just a learning those both those movies are learnings for me is anybody in particular that's influenced you chinway in your current space absolutely yes Issa ray so i discovered Issa ray years ago before insecure before insecure she had this youtube series called awkward black girl and that was the first time i'd actually seen someone on tv and i was like oh my goodness that is me like the, <laughs> the things she would do um were things that I I thought I didn't know anyone else who did like just randomly talking to yourself and imagining scenarios and rapping in the mirror which she did all the time it was just and and she was this she was she's absolutely definitely taller than me I think she's like she must be like five five nine five nine um she was dark skinned she had 4c hair sometimes it's braided sometimes it was sometimes she she once at one point she cut the whole she cut it all off um 
she was dating like these she like was lusting after this black guy she's dating this white guy like all things i can relate to i saw someone who looked like me who was weird like me on tv and it just felt very authentic and and she's beautiful and i was like oh my gosh she's stunning and i never seen any i never like i never really saw anyone that looked like me for oh they're beautiful i never seen anyone like me and i saw her and i was like damn she's amazing and i like watched her track her progress and her trajectory since that time it was years and years and years and years ago when i was in the uk even i think um and then and then she got insecure and everyone's like Issa Rae I'm like where have you been awkward black girl is the making she had she got signed with Pharrell's TV production company that's that's the start of her and there this is amazing dark-skinned woman just killing it like she is the standard of beauty and perfection and when she was on that award show and I can't remember what it was it was a big one like Emmys or something and she was being interviewed by this journalist on the red carpet and the journalist was like, so who are you rooting for tonight? And she was like, everyone black and trans. And she shrugged her shoulder and, that <laughs> and I was like, you, that is it. That is that is my idol. I want to be her. Like, she's incredible. And yeah, she's done all these amazing TV shows since then. More recently, though, I don't know how many people know this, she has set up black-owned and predominantly black-run coffee shops across the US. She's like an entrepreneur, um, writer, producer, director, like, yeah, she's amazing. I just, I have mad love for her and just seeing, yeah, it's just so amazing to see um, other standards of beauty, particularly for black women, um, dark-skinned black women, um, Cause she, yeah, she, she's doing it. She's getting it. And it just makes me happy. It makes me proud to be, and, and other things do too, but it makes me proud to be a, a black woman and to see another black woman um, thriving and succeeding and being the, st the standard of beauty in my, a standard of beauty in my opinion. Like she is black excellence. She is black, black joy. Just her story about what she's trying to do, like trying to show different dimensions of black characters, um, which is deep in reality. Like black people are, there's black excellence everywhere. Like we are not, we're not in the weeds. We are far, we're, 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 we're soaring. You just don't see it because it's not what what typically sells in the media. It's all about white people succeeding. But we have the, like a cast of amazing black people just showing what black excellence looks like. That was amazing. Thank you for taking the time to have this conversation and talking to us about your cue list. Thank you very much. That was my cue list. Thank you for listening to the cue list. Found on www.samesamebutblack.co.nz, IG, Facebook, and all other social media platforms. 